You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that I'll be teaching a free masterclass the first week of April all about how to overcome overwhelm. If you ever feel like the weight of your family is on you, on your shoulders, and you are about to collapse underneath the load of it all, this class is for you. I will teach you three actionable steps you can take to start reprioritizing your responsibilities and shifting your perspectives so family life feels more manageable and less overwhelming. Sound too good to be true? Well, the class is free, so you have nothing to lose by signing up and coming to see if I can help you. The Overcoming Overwhelm Masterclass will be offered twice during the first week of April, so you can choose the time that is best for you, and there will also be a replay. Just go to 3in30podcast.com slash masterclass to reserve your seat. That's 3in30podcast.com slash masterclass. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 183, Parenting Children with Anxiety. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my friends, and happy Monday. This is part three of our series for Mental Health Awareness Month on how to encourage emotional wellness in our children and ourselves. And today we're covering a topic that we've needed to talk about on the show for a long time, how to parent children who have anxiety. I feel like Lisa Sabi did a fabulous job in our episode a few weeks ago, giving us some real life scenarios of how to react in the moment when our child is extremely fearful. If you missed her story about her granddaughter's fear of spiders, you have to go back and listen. In today's episode, we're going to hear from a mom in the trenches of raising two kids who have diagnosed anxiety disorders about some proactive things she does to shore up her kids and herself and make daily life more manageable. Our guest is Audra Elkington, a mom of three who lives in North Carolina. She is a writer and a speaker, and she works as a virtual assistant and the content manager for an amazing organization, A Worldwide Sisterhood. I'm so grateful that she's on the podcast today sharing her story, and I know so many of you will resonate with her experiences. Before we head into the interview, I want to thank the two companies that are making this important month of episodes possible. First, BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of therapy done 100% online. Online therapy is a perfect option for busy moms because you can schedule appointments at a time and pace that works for you and your family. With no need to line up childcare or drive to and from appointments, you can just get the kids settled in for quiet time or turn on a movie for them and head to your room for a counseling appointment via video or phone call. You can also text with your counselor throughout the week if you need support or guidance as you work to apply new ways of thinking. Today's podcast episode is specifically focused on parenting children who have additional needs, and I want to encourage you that if you are in that position, you need to seek support for yourself. A counselor is someone safe and confidential who you can discuss the ups and downs of parenting with and let out your own fears and frustrations about your child's struggles. I know from personal experience that I can't be a great support to my kids if I am not feeling mentally well. So especially if you are managing some intense needs within your family, I encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. You can go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30 to fill out an intake form and get 10% off your first month of therapy. That's betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. I also want to remind you about our second sponsor, Jane.com. 
I have loved getting to explore this online boutique marketplace over the past few weeks. It has women's clothing and accessories, home decor, and children's clothing and toys. Really, it has everything, but it's all curated to be good quality and aligned with the latest trends, which is good for someone like me who has a hard time keeping up with that sort of thing. Jane offers over 400 exciting daily deals from stylish brands, designer labels, and small boutiques. It's a place that brings the best of affordable style to one easy-to-navigate site, They also have a top-rated app that's perfect for busy moms. If you're sitting in the pickup line and you suddenly remember that you need to order your kids' new swimsuits for the family vacation that you're about to go on, I have been there, you can simply open the Jane app and navigate through it wherever you are. I love that it's so curated, unlike like the Amazon app, because when you open it up, you'll see the styles that might specifically interest you right at the top for browsing. And then there's also super easy search function to enter what you are looking for and see if they have any deals going on for that item at that time. If you're interested in checking out what Jane.com has to offer, they actually helped me create a curated shop page, especially for 3 and 30 listeners, with some of my favorite items displayed. You can see the deals I handpicked for you at Jane.com slash 3 and 30. That's Jane.com slash 3 and 30. And now onto the show. This is How to Parent Children with Anxiety. Here we go. Audra, welcome to 3 and 30. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am so grateful that you were willing to come on and talk about this really important and personal and vulnerable topic of supporting our kids who have anxiety disorders. Before we start, I was wondering if you could just give us a little bit of background on your family and how you first realized that your children were struggling with more than just typical childhood shyness or worries and that there may be an actual anxiety disorder going on. Yeah. And you know, I'll preface all of this by saying that I do have permission from my children to talk about this. I feel like that's important to point out because I know not everyone is going to be comfortable having their stuff spread all over the place. So um, so my oldest two children, I have a 14-year-old son and then my daughter turns 11 next week. Dylan and Lena have two completely different ways that their anxiety exhibits. They both have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, but we had to learn the hard way with both of them because it did not look the same by the time Lena came around and started exhibiting symptoms. So Dylan, what helped us figure out that it was more than your just normal, shy, introverted child was one day I was standing at the bus stop. He was in third grade and I got a phone call and the bus was maybe 10 minutes late and I didn't think anything of it. I just thought the bus was late and I get a phone call and it's the principal from his school and they could not get Dylan on the bus because they had a substitute bus driver and he was so worried that the substitute bus driver would not be able to figure out where they needed to take him to get him home. And so I had to get on the phone with him and reassure him that I was standing at the bus stop waiting and that I would flag down the bus driver to make sure that they stopped to let him off. And that was kind of the first time we realized we were dealing with something that was not normal for kids. And then with Lena, she was diagnosed much younger. She was four, I think, when we got a diagnosis for her. But it was actually a gymnastics instructor who clued us in because I was looking for all the symptoms that Dylan exhibited. I wasn't looking for what Lena was exhibiting. And she was in a gymnastics class 
And at the beginning of the year, it started, it was just her and one other girl. But then about midway through the year, they decided to combine two of the classes and she ended up in a class with 10 girls. And when they combined those two classes, my little four-year-old who had been so excited about gymnastics and always willing to try everything, all of a sudden she was sitting against the wall, just completely stone-faced. There was nothing anyone could say or do to get her to participate in that class. And finally, after maybe a month of that, this 19-year-old gymnastics instructor came over and sat down with me. And I was pregnant at the time, so I could kind of tell that she was trying to gauge what my emotional status was at the time. And um, she just very gently said, do you think Lena has anxiety? She's like, and I'm only asking because my younger brother has it and he acts a lot like Lena has been acting the past couple of months. And she said that, and it was like a light switch flipped on. And then I started to piece together all these things that have been happening since she was less than two years old. And when you think about them all together, all of a sudden I was just like, oh my gosh, these are not all separate things we're dealing with. They're all symptoms of a bigger issue. And so I am incredibly grateful for a 19 year old who who was able to clue me in when I had no clue. Yeah. And it sounds like for both of your children there, like a common thread was the struggle with change or with what was unexpected, the new bus driver, the new students in the class. But you said that they really displayed, I mean, I see that as a common thread, but you said that they really displayed different symptoms. How is their anxiety displayed different to you? So Dylan is more of a warrior. He'll start off with one really bad scenario and his mind just spins out of control where he's just worrying about worst case scenario out of anything that's happening. I mean, one example is, you know, he will not sit on a chair at a restaurant or out in public if it has a tear or a stain on it, because in his mind, he's going to get germs or some kind of sickness or something gross on him that he doesn't want touched. So that's his, his is very, you can physically see that he's worrying and that he's stressed out about something. Whereas Lena She's been diagnosed with selective mutism. And so she just goes completely blank. Mm. It is all internal, her face. There is no emotion on her face. She has literally stood in one place for hours before with nothing, no emotion. There's no response from her. It's just, she shuts down completely. And it's happened in multiple situations And we had no clue. I thought she was just being stubborn. Yeah, interesting. So, and as a mom, there's things that you've done that we're going to talk about today to support your children at home and within your mothering. Have you also sought professional support, doctors, counselors for your kids? What does that journey look like? Yeah, so... With both of them, we have seen a psychiatrist and at different times in the journey, each of them has been on medication. That's kind of, you know, that's not always our first go-to, but there have been times where we have needed that extra support. Mm. Dylan, he managed okay, simply meeting with a school counselor Mm. to give him tools to use when he gets really anxious at school. And that seemed to really help him. And he's at the point where He knows how to function. He can get himself through any anxious situations that may arise when he's not at home, which is amazing to see. It's so awesome to see that progress. Mm -hmm. Lena, we have gone through multiple types of therapy with her. We've tried 
play therapy. We've tried cognitive behavioral therapy. She is currently on medication and we've done occupational therapy and food therapy with her. The occupational therapy seems to be what has worked the best because it's more interactive and it forces her to deal with the situations that make her anxious. Whereas the other two therapies were more, it was one-on-one with one adult and just in a quiet room. And we don't feel like it really addressed what her issues were and it wasn't helpful for her. I'm not saying it doesn't work for anyone, but just in that situation, that wasn't the right way. And so it's just, it's been a process of trying all the different methods. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that, that you've tried multiple different things to find what helps her and what fits with her, because that is really what it takes a lot of times, I think, with mental health, with our own mental health or with our kids. And it can feel discouraging to feel like we didn't get it right this time. This isn't helping. This isn't working. But to just keep trying, try a different modality, try a different counselor, do whatever it takes. And then to hear how well your son's doing is really hopeful. And I hope that moms out there who are in the trenches right now will hear that and think, okay, my kids can get these skills and the support and they can really thrive despite whatever challenges they're facing. Yeah. And you've done some great things within your home to support your children. And I think it sounds like when I read through your outline to support yourself as well in parenting children with these additional struggles, because that is heavy and hard as a mom. Parenting is hard as it is when you add these extra needs in. It's a lot. So I'm excited for you to walk us through your takeaways of how you support your children and yourself through this journey. And you can just go ahead and jump in with your first takeaway. Sure. So my first takeaway is to write it out. And what I mean by that, we kind of do this in two different ways. I make sure that I write in my journal every single day. I write down all the things that have happened with Lena. And anytime we see, I call them small wins because that's what they are. They look really, really small to other people, but for us, they're huge. And so anytime I see something that is progressive for her, I make sure that I write it down because inevitably there are going to be days when her anxiety is really bad and I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so having those wins written down, it is a place where I can go to remind myself that we are seeing progress. Mm. We haven't stalled out. It's We haven't gone backwards. There are areas where she is, she's doing it. She is figuring out how to overcome the things that are holding her back one of the issues that we really struggle with with her is food aversion. And she literally eats a handful of items. She doesn't like fruit. She doesn't like vegetables. She doesn't like any kind of meat or protein. She basically eats carbs. And she's my tiniest child. And it that's stressful when you see your child not growing like they should be. And you watch that they're not eating anything. That is on top of the anxiety problems like oh my gosh, we're dealing with nutritional deficits. And so a little while ago, we got her to try a bite of a strawberry. And I know that sounds so simple, but that was a big deal for us. And so I made sure I wrote that down because then the next week when she didn't eat dinner for five days in a row, I needed that. I needed to see, oh my gosh, okay, last week she tried a strawberry and that was the first time she'd tried anything new in two years. So as a parent, That is super helpful for me to see. Oh yeah, sometimes she does try. She's not being stubborn. 
She is making an effort and I need to celebrate those efforts. She needs to see that I notice when she takes the big steps, because I think that then gives her the confidence to move forward. Yeah. And I think this really hits on something that I've thought about so often throughout my life with physical healing and with mental health healing, that healing isn't linear. And we want it to be. We want it to be like, oh, she tried a strawberry. So tomorrow she's going to keep eating strawberries. And it's just going to be straight. You know, this healing is going to be a straight uphill journey where we're getting to the top. Where really, it's like a zigzag, you know, but you're still higher on the path than you were at the beginning. You just are in a little valley. I don't know if listeners can picture I'm doing with my finger an up and down path up a mountain. And I think it's so important to remember and write down the little victories that you've had to remind yourself, this isn't linear, but it's happening. Progress is happening and we're getting there. And I'm also so grateful that you addressed the food aversion because I think parents and outsiders looking in on our families can be so harsh with picky eating. And like, I would just force my kid to do it and they would sit at the table, you know, until they ate it or I'd serve it again the next day for breakfast. You know, you hear this kind of rhetoric and it's like, For some kids, this isn't just picky eating. It's like true phobias around food. And unless people have experienced that for themselves, they just can't possibly understand it. So even you just sharing that story, I think will give some moms some insight into other moms' experiences, as well as possibly into their own children. That It may not be that your child is just being stubborn. There may be true fears and aversions with certain textures and certain foods. So thank you for sharing that about Lena's journey. Yeah, that's, I'll be honest, that's been one of the most frustrating parts of the journey with her has been dealing with the nutritional aspect. Yeah. And Um, it's super triggering. I feel like one of my children struggles with this and I get so triggered and I'm like, just mm -hmm. eat the food. And I have to remember, I don't know what they're going through and what their thoughts are and what it feels like in their body, you know? And so that's been helpful for me to remember that. Has she used journaling at all to help her to get through this? She has. Actually, another thing that's been super beneficial with the writing is that we have a parent-child journal and it just, it gives her an outlet to be able to maybe express what is going on in her mind without having to use words because that's hard sometimes, especially when you're already a little bit timid and scared to speak up. She loves to draw. She's an amazing artist. And so a lot of times I'm able to pick up things that are bothering her just from looking at the picture she's drawing. Or, you know, if her pictures are kind of dark and angry and lots of sharp lines, I'm like, eh, she's maybe not in a great place mentally right now. And then some days there's sunshine and animals and flowers and stuff. And so just being able to give her an outlet to get out what's in her mind in a way that's more comfortable for her. And so I love any kind of a journal that has guided prompts has been helpful because then it's there. She doesn't have to come up with what to say. It's prompting her, hey, what do you think about this? Which, you know, a lot of times when she shuts down, I have no idea what's going on in her mind. And so that's just been another really good way to try and get inside her mind without stressing her out. Yes. I love the Loom Journal by Promptly that has the guided parent-child prompts. And some of them are drawing. And it's one side of the pages for the child and one side of the pages for the parent. And you're responding to the same prompts. And I do this journal with my kids as well. And I love it to sort of get a peek into their minds. Yeah, I have one with each of my kids too. I love those so much. Yes. And then what is your second takeaway for us? 
Okay, so my second takeaway is to use their interests and talents to help them succeed and give them an outlet. I think a lot of times we have in our minds the things we want our kids to do. You know, I wanted daughters that were dancers. I wanted to go to the dance recitals and, you know, do the makeup and the hair and the cute outfits because that's what I love. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Lena on a stage. Oh, that would be horrific for everyone involved. And so it's been a process to find things that she is able to feel like she can do and succeed at because she does not like to try new things. Trying new things absolutely terrifies her and she does not like to have attention on her. And my husband, several years ago, when we were first learning about their anxiety disorders, worrying how this was going to affect them as they go through their life, he read an article that talked about how kids with anxiety do really well in sports and activities where they can be part of a team, but they are judged on their own individual efforts and that it's not necessarily having to be coordinated. Other players aren't dependent on them for the win, that kind of thing. And so one of the things we found for Lena is piano. And it's been great because her instructor does not make her participate in recitals. She doesn't have to come up with music on her own. She just gets to go at her own pace, but each week she's checking something off. And so she gets to see, you know, oh, okay, I did that last week, so I can do this new one this week. And it's almost become a self-soothing technique too, when she can come home and practice. And if she doesn't, she needs to not be around people. She can just go up and, you know, kind of practice her piano and she comes out. She's a little bit more calm because she's done something that makes her feel good. It makes her feel productive, but no one, no one was depending on her for it. And so it takes out that anxiety. So that's been really, really helpful. Yeah. I've seen that with my Noah, my son, who has never really gravitated towards team sports. I don't know what it is about it. He's tried it. He's done a few, but he just doesn't love it. And I think it's a little stressful for him. And he compares himself to the other kids on the team and feels down on himself that he's not as good as them in his eyes. But he loves skiing. He loves mountain biking. He loves kayaking. And I've noticed this thread that he likes the things that he can do independently that challenge him. But also, like you said, he skis with his dad. He loves skiing with friends or with new groups of people. We live in a ski town, so people come to visit us. And I think his favorite thing to do is to go to the mountain and show different people his favorite runs and to connect them that way. And like you said, it is a little hard because my husband is a huge athlete and loves team sports. And so I think that there's a little part of him that's sad that his boy doesn't love the same things that he loved, but he's learned that that's okay. And we can nurture what Noah's interested in and connect with him through those things, even if they're a little bit more one-on-one. Right. Yeah. And what a great father-son bonding opportunity, you know? It's just a new way to connect. Yes. Now I need to find something because I do, I do know how to (laughs) ski, but he's passed me up now. He can, you know, (laughs) maybe I need to try like getting on a kayak with him or something. Who knows? And then what is your third takeaway? My third takeaway is to get physical. And I know you're probably thinking like go outside and play and be active, that kind of thing. And yes, I do mean that in some ways because using their bodies does help get out some of that anxious energy. But with Lena, she hates being outside. She doesn't like to be active. It's a struggle to get her to do anything physical with her body. But 
we have found that anxiety is relieved for her through her senses. And so when I say get physical, I'm thinking of things like a weighted blanket or a weighted stuffed animal. Her teacher is awesome. They've been awesome the past couple of years. They'll just let her take a little stuffed animal from home and keep it on her desk. And as long as she's not distracting other people with it, if she starts to feel herself getting, you know, feels the anxiety rising, she's allowed to just grab that stuffed animal and just kind of hold it and stroke it, whatever. Getting that physical touch kind of helps soothe her. And it's the same with this poor girl because we are not a family of huggers and tight hugs are another great way that she was able to get rid of some of that anxious energy. And so she'll just kind of randomly walk around the house. And if I see her kind of snuggling up closer to me, I'm like, oh, she needs a hug. So I have to, you know, take a deep breath, (laughs) then wrap her in a hug. And then she wants to hug for 10 minutes, but that's so soothing to her. So it does require me to get a little uncomfortable for myself, but yeah, that helps. She needs that physical touch to help wind down a little bit and just reset and it works. So that's been kind of a fun thing to try and figure out ways to help her get that physical touch in. Another thing that is super helpful I've noticed, and this applies to my son as well, is kids with anxiety sometimes feel like anything, an adult, someone that's bigger than them is a little bit imposing and intimidating. And I can kind of relate because I'm only five foot tall. So I, I get that. I understand what it's like to look up at someone who's six foot tall and be like, uh, you're a giant, not cool. And so I have found with Lena, especially if I just squat down and look her in the eyes, a lot of times that will bring her anxiety down as well, because I don't seem like this big imposing authority figure to her anymore, which yeah, being aware of that has been very helpful too. Yeah. So being aware of their senses, like all five senses and what you can do to sort of right. help them to regulate their nervous system. It's hard to tell that our kids may be really dysregulated and they might need some of those grounding physical sensations. What are some of the signs for you that they might need that? They might need you to give them that tight hug. Are there any signs to help you know, oh, she's dysregulated and I need to get her back in her body? Yeah. So Lena will, I know when I need to get down on her eye level, if her face goes stone, like if she goes from talking and, you know, looking at me and communicating and her face, just all of a sudden there's no expression in it. I know I need to get down on her eye level at that point in time, because she needs to be able to see in my eyes that I'm not angry, that I'm not threatening in any way, that I'm not trying to force her to do something and we all know this from living with masks the past year, like we communicate a lot of emotion through our eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's important to remember. And so with her, it's definitely the stone face that she gives off. Interesting. Yeah. And then another thing is she'll just, she'll start pacing the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She literally will walk in a circle and I'm like, okay, she needs something physical to help her get out of that pacing space. It's like she can't, she almost can't focus on anything else. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the weighted blankets and the weighted stuffed animals. I feel like that's a trend that people are becoming more aware of. I mean, I think it's been a tool for a long time for people with anxiety disorders or on the autism spectrum, but I think it's becoming more mainstream. And my counselor just recommended a weighted stuffed animal for my kids that it kind of can, you can lay it across their lap 
to help them like stay. Oh. It's like a snake or like a gecko. Yeah. So it's longer. So you can lay it across their lap to help them stop fidgeting or to help them stay in their seat at school. And I don't remember the name of it, but I can link it in the show notes if anybody thinks that that could help you. They can lay it across their shoulders to soothe and to give them pressure on their shoulders. Yeah. So I'll link that and just being aware of the way that this physical centering can help. I struggle with anxiety and I've noticed that I love physical touch and that's like my love language. But I've noticed my little girl, she is almost seven and she still sometimes will fall asleep on my chest which is crazy. But like I lay down at night next to her in bed and she rolls over and lays right on top of me and falls asleep. Cute. And it feels so calming to my nervous system. It's so it's, she's my little weighted blanket, you know? Yeah. And I can feel her breathing and stuff. And so that helps me to see, okay, children who are struggling with this, sometimes they need that pressure, that closeness from someone they love hearing the steady breathing yeah. that can be really helpful. Now, I wouldn't roll over and lay on top of one of my, one of my children. <laughs> like, this will help you, you know, but giving them some sense of that, I think could be really helpful because I know that it helps me a lot with my anxiety. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it sounds like that might be your worst nightmare, though, if you're not, yep. if you're not a physical. Yep, don't touch me. <laughs> Well, thank you, Audra. This has been so helpful to just hear about these practical things that a mom can do in day-to-day life to help a child with anxiety. And do you have any final thoughts or final tips for us before we end? Yeah, I guess my final thought is just go with your gut. Sometimes you're going to have a random thought and it totally flies in the face of what might seem logical when dealing with a child with anxiety. But sometimes it's actually going to turn out and be the best thing ever. And I'll just give an example. We switched Lena, well, we switched both of my girls to a new school this year to allow them the opportunity to be in person all year long. And I was terrified because the last time we switched her schools, she literally stood next to her desk for an entire month, the entire day at school without eating, without using the restroom, didn't take her backpack off. And so she had finally spent four years at her old school and was comfortable there and functioning. And so the thought of switching her to a new school was terrifying for her, for me. And I just kind of told her, I said, Lena, I just, I feel like you need to be there in person. You know, in in my mind, I was thinking she is never going to progress with her social anxiety if she's not around other people. Mm. She's been great at home, but that's not helping her live in the real world. And so we did it. We went. I told her, I said, Lena, if you absolutely hate it after a month, I will pull you out and we'll find another option for you. But I really need you to try it. And she shut down for an hour that first day. But after that, it has been the absolute best decision I ever made. She is completely thriving. She has a group of really close friends that she made. And I just, it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense at all. And it has been such a blessing for her. Mm, That's beautiful. And do you feel like that was like mother's intuition? Do you feel like that was like God speaking to you, telling you that? Like, how did you How did you know or why did you feel so strongly that this would be the right choice for her, even though it didn't make sense? So it was both. It was both a God thing and a mother's intuition thing. I didn't even know. This is a brand new school that I had not heard about. And a week before they were starting, 
one of her friend's moms randomly stopped by our house and mentioned that her girls had gotten into this charter school. And I was like, why didn't I know about this school? And she said, well, you know, you could try. I don't, I don't know if they'll get in. And so I applied and my girls were literally number 70 on the wait list. And within three days, they went from number 70 to getting into this school. And so I feel like that was divine intervention from the Lord saying, Hey, here's this option. Because I'll be honest, I was devastated when I found out that our public schools were going to be all virtual Mm because I had my two anxious kids and then I had a kindergartner and I was like, I cannot do this. And so I had had a really hard month and to have that maybe be an option felt like such a relief to me. And so, you know, I felt like hearing about it was divine intervention. But then as soon as I started looking at the school and their website and stuff, I I knew my gut said, you need to get them into this school. You just need Mm -hmm. to get them into this school and it will be okay. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you speak to something there that I want to acknowledge that this pandemic and the distance learning, it's been hard for all of us, but I especially think for these kids with additional needs and the parents of the families, it's, I mean, all the children who have missed out on IEP services this year, yeah. it's, it is devastating. And so for any mom listening, who's been in that place this year with a kid who's been struggling so much on top of all the struggles that all kids are facing, but with these additional needs, just we see you, our hearts are with you, and hopefully next year it'll be better, but just hang in there and then maybe try these tips that Audra gave today to help your child cope and to help yourself cope. And Audra, just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom. I know it's going to give moms a lot of hope and feel understood by listening to your experience today. So thank you for coming on 3 and 30. Oh, thank you for having me, Rachel. Many thanks to Audra for that open-hearted and honest conversation. If you want to learn more from her, I've linked her Instagram account in the show notes. And here's a recap of her three takeaways. First, write it out. When you are supporting a child who has anxiety, it's important to chronicle the small wins so you can see that even though progress is not linear, it is happening. You may also find writing really healing for you, as well as connected for you and your child if they want a fresh way to communicate their needs to you. I can't recommend the Promptly Parent-Child Journal highly enough as a journal that you can share with your child. Second, use their interests and talents to help them succeed and give them an outlet. This might be an individual sport where they feel more confidence and control, but they can still connect with others. As hard as it is to let go of expectations and dreams you might have had for your child, it's important to lean into their unique passions and support them in those. And third and finally, get physical. Help your child tune into all five senses and get grounded when they are starting to escalate. This might mean giving them a tight hug, getting down on their level and looking in their eyes, or getting them a weighted blanket or stuffed animal. I love these practical tools and ideas for little things we can do to better support our children who have anxiety, and I will link all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. These first three episodes of Mental Health Awareness Month have mostly focused on how to support our children for their mental wellness. But don't worry, next week we have an incredible episode coming on how to support ourselves when we are not in a good place mentally. I can't wait for us to talk about what to do when we are facing anxiety and depression. So be sure to come back next Monday for that. And in the meantime, as always, I am rooting for you. I'm sending you all my love and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.